0: Act on them. So we serve the people that he calls us to serve. We're called to love those he has called us to love. And when we do, it's demonstrated in action that reflects God's glory on the earth through his people. So it is no wonder that the very first Mother's Day in the country, before it even became a national holiday, was celebrated in the church. That the people of God chose to honor their mothers... Before it was on a holiday. Because that's what God's people do. We honor those God has called us to honor. Amen. So this morning, I want us to consider the words from the Old and the New Testament that says, Honor your father and mother. What does it mean to honor your father and mother? Now, next month is going to be Father's Day, so we're going to curtail that until the next month. Okay. But what does it mean for you to honor your mother? How do you honor your mother? For me, before I can honor somebody, I have to remember why. Who they are, what they have done. We have to remember what has been done or who they are in order to honor the one who is worthy of honor. So this morning, I want to bring up a few mothers in the biblical examples and to consider who they were, what they did, And maybe you might remember your mother, what your mother has been, has done, that you may honor your mother. Amen? Let let us pray first. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege to be able to come and study your word. And we believe your word is true and good. Even things that we wrestle with, I believe you have given every word to be fulfilled for your purpose, and I believe your church would be blessed to follow and to live, abide by your words as a love letter to your children, so will you teach us, make our hearts open to your teachings tonight, we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, so the first mother that I want to bring to your table um, is comes from 1 Kings chapter 3. And 1 Kings chapter 3, the context of this particular mother was when King Solomon was, it just began to reign, and he's recognized as the one of the wisest persons in the world, right? People from all over came to King Solomon because he is so wise. Now, two particular ladies from, uh, from the Bible came seeking justice, and the story goes that these two ladies lived in the same house. They both had newborn babies, but one of the babies died, and they were, they were both saying the alive one was theirs. So here it goes. First Kings 3.18, it says, Then on the third day after I gave birth, th- this is the lady who lost the baby, or uh, who, I'm... English is my second language. I blank out sometimes. <laughs> this is the person who claims that this, her baby, okay? And this woman also gave birth, and we were alone. There was no one else with us in the house. Only two of us were in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. So this is a tragic, trage- tragic story where back in the day before they had cribs, mothers slept with their babies. And sometimes... Mothers rolled over the baby, killing. So it was a tragic story. But what was crazy was what had happened after, the lady after the dead baby, having realized she killed the baby, she took the dead baby and switched it with the other baby, right? And then claimed that it was hers. So the woman wakes up, realize, oh my gosh, my baby's dead. But wait, it's not my baby. Right? Like, how many of you guys? You guys know, mothers know their babies. Mothers know their likeness, their image bearers, their all the details. And she said, this wasn't my baby. And so they are fighting over whose baby is it. And so they approach the king, the wise Solomon, for justice. And here's what the king says in response to this claim. In 1 Kings 3.24, and the king said, Bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. You guys hear that? Bring me a sword, kill the baby in half, and give one half to one mother and the other half to the other. It's a shocker. It's like, what? Immediately after the king said this, This was the woman's response in verse 26. Then the woman whose son was alive, the real mother, said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, O my Lord, give her the living child and by no means put him to death. Now, that was the ESV version, English Standard Version. It says her heart yearned for her son. Now, the King James Version translated that text, her Bows yearn for her son. So, which is it? Was it her heart that yearned, or was it her bowels that? Because there's a difference of like eight inches, right? Which is it? The word there that's translated, whether it's the bowels or her heart, is rakam. And this is the word that Pastor Caleb preached on a few weeks ago. And if you heard Dr. Brian Simmons preach, you know, in the Tampa campus, this is the same word, rakam. This word is often translated as mercy and compassion in your Bible. So most of the times in your English translations, when you see mercy and compassion of the Lord, that's the word. But the literal translation is bow, womb, or the emotions that come from there, the center of your being. It's kind of interesting, Pastor Caleb was sharing earlier, yeah, yeah that in the dawn, God was doing something. He said it came from the gut, the bowels, yeah. like as if God grabbed them in that center. And I, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the very first time, it started from the gut. I don't know if you guys can relate, but there's something that gets stirred up there. Rakam is the emotions that comes from the center of your being outward it's womb love now this womb love is recognizable people see womb love because when the king said cut the baby in half and divide among the two mothers immediately the mother said stop okay stop give the baby to the other let the baby live, even if I have to give up my dreams, even if I have to give up my baby, even if I have to give the baby to the liar, and I may never see her, see the son again. Let the baby live. And immediately, in that response of sh- demonstrating this womb love, rakam love, the king recognized who the real mother was, because womb love is physically you can see. It's demonstrated in action because it does not give up on the life of the child. It is self-denying for the sake of the baby. When I consider such deep love, you can't help but think about God. For God so loved the world he gave his only son and whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life god looked down and goes i don't want them to die womb love so deep i will lay down my own life my own son that you might live deep sacrificial go out of the way persevering so that we live womb love Mother number two comes from Matthew 15 where Jesus is traveling in his ministry, and he passed by a Gentile district. Gentile is another word to say non-Jewish, okay? In a district of Tyre and Sidon. And he's approached by the local woman where her child is demon-possessed. So Matthew 15, 22, it says this, And behold, a Canaanite woman from the region that came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon, but he, Jesus, did not answer her word. Here, Jesus hears the response of this Canaanite mother, pleading, and he doesn't say anything. In fact, he ignores her. Uh, When I read something like this, I get bothered. Because we think Jesus is so good, so nice, right? He goes out of his way to heal everybody, but then here, a woman Begging, pleading, and he ignores her. Worse, the disciples with him are like, kick her, kick her out. Push her away. She's bothering us. But she keeps pleading, keeps begging. Think of this exchange. If you were that mother, and you go to a Jewish man, of a different nationality, different culture. We all think that we, have, we live in a better culture. No matter where, who we are, we think we, we are better, yeah. right? So you're kind of like swallowing your pride to go to a Jewish rabbi, teacher, and says, help me for my daughter. I would do it for my sake of my daughter. But he ignores you. Rude. <laughs> right? You might feel a little rejected. But how do you respond to the rejection? Forget you or do you keep begging? This woman kept begging. She didn't stop. The disciples like, send her away. Right? Real real good disciples. And And then he finally responds. He answered in verse 24, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel understand that. He goes, Mrs. Canaanite, I'm here for the Jews. My people, not your kind. Whoa. Gee, thanks, Mr. Wonderful, right? That's rejection number two. And then it gets worse. Jesus says in verse 26, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. How do you respond to something like that? Okay, did Jesus just call her a dog? No. No. We have to be careful when we interject our 21st century interpretation into the ancient text. We have to be very careful. Let me give you the little context. Culturally, they knew sort of this head of the household having food provision at a dinner table for the family. And you do not feed the dogs before you feed your children. It's not appropriate. Right? There's an order to which you feed. And Jesus was alluding to that. Yeah. But what's interesting about his response, and he didn't, he didn't call her a dog, is that it's not appropriate to feed the dogs before the children. Yeah. There's an order for which his plan of salvation. It's not that Jesus did not want to save the Gentiles, because we know his plans, yeah. right, in the big picture. But there was an order for his plan of salvation in fact apostle paul wrote in um romans 1:16, he says i'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of god for the salvation of everyone who believes first for the jews then for the gentiles there's an order there it's that's said multiple times throughout the new testament bible but jesus had a plan for his salvation it was first for the jews then to the gentiles he was saying it's not my time my children need to be fed first It is not appropriate to feed the dogs before the children. But her response was one of faith. She immediately understood what he was saying. And and she said this. Where's my text? Verse 27. Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Wow. Jesus didn't call her a dog, but she placed her position herself like a dog. Lord, give me the crumbs. My daughter needs even the crumbs. Of the blessings, whatever you can spare. In her faith, she was agreeing to, Lord, whatever your plan is, but even the crumbs will be good enough. And that's the faith that Jesus saw and released and healed the daughter. Now, what gets me in this text is the mother's perseverance. She did not give up. There was three rejections. We can look at it deep. Ignor- ignoring. No, I'm not for you guys. I'm for another. Oh, no, I'm, I can't feed the dog. Three rejections, yet she kept persevering. Lord, Lord, help me. Have mercy. Whatever his response, she didn't give up. She kept persevering and, and pushing in. Lord, give me the crumbs. She denied her dignity. She denied her Tried for the sake of her child, she persevered and did not give up to save her daughter. I remember when I was a freshman in high school. Um, I had forgot my trumpet, and there was some event that afternoon, and I needed my instrument. So I called my mom and did one of those pay phones, meet me in between the periods. I'll be out in the curve. I'll meet you. And there was a short time span. When I came out of my class and ready to go outside, my friends were saying, hey, your mom is looking for you. She's inside the halls looking for me. Now, my mother, at that time, she was working in a a dry-clean factory. Steam, hot, she's disheveled, work clothes, and she's, like, not even five feet tall. And she is walking around with this big case of trumpet looking for her son because academically he needs to do whatever he needs to do, Right? And I just remember feeling so embarrassed because I was more concerned about what other people thought of me than what I thought of my mom. And I acted as if I was embarrassed of my mother. Later that night, I heard my mother crying, telling my dad how embarrassed her son was of her. Yeah, I I was stupid. (laughs) I was so stupid. Yeah, as a son, I made a lot of mistakes. I did a lot of stupid things. I've done so many things that I've mistreated her. I did not honor her. Uh, So many times she had reasons to reject me, kick me out, disown me, beat me, whatever. I deserved it. But even when I didn't even believe in myself, she never gave up. She persevered. Because she believed in her son. She wanted the best. And even when I rejected her, she persevered. Mother number three. Mother number three is the mother of King Solomon. Wife of King David. Right. Uh, this is a political story, but man... If you don't know the story, it's pretty powerful. But there's an account where uh, David, King David, is really old in age. He's ready to die. And people know it. He can't even keep warm, so they uh, bring in somebody just to keep him warm. And at that point, one of his many sons decides, I'm going to take the kingdom myself. So Adonijah decides, hey, I'm going to take the priest, I'm going to get the general, and he is going out into public declaring that he's the new king. The problem was the kingdom was already promised to Solomon, the mother, Bathsheba. Along with uh, Nathan the prophet, uh, talks this through and sort of approached the king about it. And it says this in 1 Kings So Bathsheba went to see the aged king in his room where Abishag, the Shunammite, was attending him. Bathsheba bowed low and knelt before the king. What is it you want? The king asked. She said to him, my lord, you yourself swore to me, your servant, by the lord your God, Solomon, your son, shall be king after me. And he will sit on my throne. Now, but now Adonijah has become king, and you, my lord the king, do not know about it. He has sacrificed a great number of cattle, fattened calves, and sheep, and has invited all the king's sons, Abiathar, the, the priest, and the Joab, the commander of the army. But he has not invited Solomon, your servant. My lord the king, the eyes of all Israel are on you, to learn from you who will sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. Otherwise, as soon as the lord king is laid to rest with his fathers, I and my son Solomon will be treated as criminals. So she approaches the king, gives a context of what's going on, and reminds him of the promise. Now, it's not the first time a wife had to remind an aging husband what he promised or what he was supposed to do, right? This is not the first time, you know? But the situation was a little bit deeper than that. Because not everybody is allowed to approach the king, even the sons, even the wives. In some cases, if they approach without the permission, they can be killed in some situations. Now, I don't know the relationship that Bathsheba had with David, but he had many wives. I don't know how many promises he's made with many of his sons, but she remembered the one promise. All we know is a political circumstance of where she approaches the king and holds him accountable to his word. That's boldness in that time. She's laying down her life for this encounter of the words that she spoke. She said it honorably, but understand, it was a dangerous situation. And what gets me is that Why did she do it? It was for her son. Bathsheba laid down her life, risked it, because she wanted her son to receive his inheritance. To receive the promise of his position, of his future, because she believed he was Worthy to be the next king. That he would do well. He has the heart. He is anointed. And he has been promised. And she holds the king accountable to his word. Now consider that. How many times have guys have said a promise that he has broken or changed their mind or even forgotten conveniently? People do. Just because she's a wife, she can hold him accountable. But she did it and risked herself. Because she believed in her son. Mothers have faith for her children. Mothers believe that my son, oh, he can be the next king. My daughter, queen. Governor. Doctor. Attorney. uh, Any attorneys here? I'm just kidding. Uh, That was a joke. But we believe our kids can be anything they want. They're talented. They're smart. There is no one as good as my kid. That's what mothers believe. And we want to position them so that they are raised up. We want to position them for the education, the community, the friends, so that they are raised up for their full potential. In this case, it was kingship. Mothers will fight for their kids. Amen. You know, um, when my kids get in trouble in school, rarely. <laughs> They're good. But sometimes when they do, you know, you, you, if you guys know my wife, she's so sweet. She's cute. She's small. And, right? Everybody, when they meet my wife, they say, she, oh, she's so sweet. But, man, when it comes to our kids, she becomes a mama bear. She she could become the dinosaur. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously. When it comes to kids, it doesn't matter what size they are. They become mama bears to protect and fight for their kids. Because that's mothers. We love them. We care for them. We want the best for them. That's mothers. There is no greater faith in our children than mothers. There is no persevering, no greater passion, commitment, dedication as mothers who desire their kids to be raised up in power or position or positions of honor. That's why mothers are awesome. Mothers are awesome. Amen? Amen. Amen. Mothers sacrifice their own lives, their dreams, their comfort for their kids. And that's from womb love. That's from rakam. That comes from this very center of the being, the emotions that can that is second to none. That's rakam. And when I think of mothers, I think of I think of this is my opinion. When I think of why God gave mothers this compassion and mercy, this deep love. I think it's to show God's love. You know, Tracy did really well this morning if you stream her um, sermon. And she talked about the differences. And I actually prepared the same thing. We're different. Men and women are wired differently. Amen? You guys can agree. Not a bad thing. It's just different. And let's just recognize a different giftedness. God has made two Men, women, very different to complement one another, to cover where one is strong or weak, vice versa. I mean, my wife and I are so different, but we complement one another very well. And that's a beautiful thing, okay? But I, I see this womb love in my wife that's different from the love that I have with my kids. The way I respond to my kids and situation, like especially when they get in trouble, it's like, ah, kids will be kids, you know, because I've done worse. You know, I think that, right? But my wife thinks differently. She responds differently. She's wired differently, and that's a good thing because we need that. God gave that recalm love to the mothers to show the reflection of God on the earth as a different channel. It's as if God needs intercessors for us on the earth. And there was no one like the mothers. Mothers pray for you, intercedes for you. You guys know that? I don't know if you guys have mothers of faith. My mother, when she says she's praying for me, she's praying for me. I know that. I need that. We need mothers who intercede and fight for the children continually. Because of that deep commitment and love. And that love is just like our God. He says, I will intercede for you at the right hand of the Father. I will give the Holy Spirit who will intercede for you. There's many verses, but just to give you a few highlights, Romans 8.34, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Jesus is interceding for you in heaven but not just Jesus, but the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he searches our hearts, uh, know, searches hearts, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When I think of mothers and how God has made them, I believe Mothers are the human incarnate of God on the earth. Now, this could be my opinion. This could be theological studies we could go really deep on. But I am convinced that when we see mothers, we see reflections of God, of his deeper compassion and love that is not seen typically, not saying all guys, but typically in men. Now, we can talk about even the prodigal son, right? When we think of the prodigal son's story, We think of the loving father who awaits outside, waiting for the son to return, right? And that's our heavenly father, and and we can all reflect that. But then we often apply that story to the fathers who love our kids. But come on, it's the mothers who wait late at night, waiting for the sons. She is not going to sleep until her son is safe in his own bed. It's the mothers who will wait for the daughters to know that she is safe, calling, calling, to make sure that he is, she is okay. It's the mothers. In the weight of the prodigal story, it's the mothers who are already demonstrating that on the earth today. Men, we need a little practice. <laughs> but when I see moms, I see God. God's love, the rakam love, that's so deep, it compares to no one and nothing else you know you guys can disagree with my theological position and again this is it doesn't make or break the church but when i see my mother i see in her i did not see in my father i see her level of commitment her sacrifice her undying love She teared for me far more than my father. She teared for me far more than she deserved. But she persevered to see her son positioned to receive the blessings. I'm totally convinced the life I live is because of my mother's prayers and blessings and her wise words and her commitment I have five sisters. I'm number six. She had so much love. It was abundant and overflowing for every one of us. I don't know how she did it. But, we, but there's a time where we can't really appreciate what our mothers have done until we become parents of ourselves. And I remember just, you know, my first daughter being born. And first thing I did was call my mom and go, you did this six times? <laughs> really? I would think that you would give up and say, stop, no more after the first. But she did it six times. And I said, mom, why did you have so many kids? And she goes, you had to come out. I needed a son. And she kept going. What? That's where come love. So what does all that mean for us on this Mother's Day? We worship God. And we honor mothers. We worship God and we honor mothers because he has given us mothers to be his reflection. And when we see mothers, we're so grateful for what God has done and his love. We, we see the parallel. We see the, the symbolic connection. We see the deep compassion that is not common. It's not logical. It's deep. So, church, I don't know if you have called your moms today. (laughs) Call your moms. Honor your mother. Remember what she has done. Remember who she is. Thank God for her. Pray for her. And honor her. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our mothers. Lord, we can live and in this broken world and there's a lot of things that comes in our way as challenges and but you have given us mothers who care for us and loved us maybe even the expressions of that love may not have been interpreted correctly and maybe we have fought with our mothers or said things we had regretted but i believe you have given us mothers with this innate love that comes from you so we want to thank you lord And we want to thank our mothers and to honor them. Teach us how to honor them. Not just one day a year. But to continually to and to bridge the divides or to bring reconciliations and to bring healing upon the families. Because the mothers are doing their best. Now, Lord, I I lift up to you the mothers of this church. Now, Lord, I ask and release your blessings upon them. Give them wisdom and compassion. I know their, uh, their roles and their positions can be tough. But Lord, give them wisdom to navigate through life, to raise up their children for your glory. And may you receive all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And, um, Pastor Caleb. Come on, let's say thank you to Pastor Eric. That was so, so good. I'm glad it was recorded. This is going to be on our podcast so that all of our campuses can listen and everything's